This is the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. This is where it all counts. This is why we're here. This is why each one of us is here. And now, here's your host. Welcome back to another edition of the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. I am Paul Pertichese, and thank you for joining me as always. Our positional preview shows continue leading up to the 2022 NFL Draft, and I'm really excited today to be joined by special guest Wes Huber of Fantasy Points. Wes, welcome to the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. Yeah, definitely, Paul. Thanks for having me. I was I've been looking forward to this all week. Absolutely. Wes, most of my audience familiar with what you guys got going on over there at Fantasy Points, but if for some reason a few of my listeners are unfamiliar with what you guys are doing over there at Fantasy Points, what you usually work on, maybe just give the listeners a quick synopsis on what you guys are doing over there at Fantasy Points. I think this is now your guys' second full year or or third year leading into the draft, Uh, so maybe just give the audience a little bit of a, a rundown over there at what you guys are working on at Fantasy Points. Yeah, so um, our second full year, we just finished, and uh, yeah, third off season with the company. You know, we start. I started. Uh, I started with them when they were, you know, uh, just you know, fresh out, fresh on the internet, and uh, basically, you know, during the season, you get everything. You know, we do it all, um, and and you know, really, it's 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 too much to even list. We're even. Um, we're, we've also factored in the golf uh, DFS this year and we're, we're greatly expanding our college football product and um, I'll be heading that up. And then, in, and then in addition of obviously football, which is our NFL, which is our specialty. And so right now what we're doing, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of the other guys are, are, they're, they're actually, uh, they don't, they don't play a huge role in the draft process. So, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're kind of taking it easy, getting their vacation times in, but, uh, yeah, this is a, this is probably my busiest time of the year. Uh, you know, I stay very busy during the season, but, uh, I'm a, I'm a, you know, I work, uh, around the clock. I usually, usually work somewhere around 15 hours a day. It, it's just kind of stemming from my PFF past and, uh, but uh, right now I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to evaluate as many draft prospects as possible, get as many pro- uh, prospect profiles written up and put on the website, which you can find on the, the landing page at fantasypoints.com. And uh, yeah, so uh, feeling pretty good about where, what I've evaluated running back wise. And now I've, uh, I've got uh, Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave done. So uh, digging into the wide receivers right now. Absolutely, guys. I can vouch for what Wes is saying. I've been a subscriber to what Fantasy Points has been putting out since day one. A couple of my favorite things they do. Wes puts out a great detailed article breaking down um, the week each week during the football season. Very thorough analysis on matchups to uh, exploit, avoid maybe, take advantage of in your DFS lineups or even your season-long lineups. And then their Thursday night show, which I know, Wes, you make an appearance from uh, throughout the year sometimes uh, filling in with the guys. Uh, Really love that content, their Thursday night episode, guys, where they kind of set the stage for uh, the Sunday DFS main slate. Uh, Two of my favorite things out of all the great things they put out there but those are just two of my favorite things over at fantasy points so let's make the transition you talked a little bit about that you studied a lot of the the running back class so before we get into the nitty-gritty maybe of individual guys maybe a little overview on what you think of this class uh as a whole like you see a lot of starters do you see you know it's such a loosely defined term in the nfl now right because there's very few bell cows 
So do you see a handful of guys who you think could be either bell cows or lead lead committee guys, or do you see a lot of complementary players that'll be part of mixes and, and, and committees at the next level? Yeah. So, uh, you know, I don't, I, I'm not, I'm not in agreement with, with, you know, my colleagues at fantasy points, uh, Graham Barfield and Scott Barrett, they, they love their bell cows. They, they want, they want their guys that, that can do everything or they're just not going to get that excited about them. And see, I, I look at it very differently. I'm, I'm looking for special talents. I'm looking for guys. uh, Yeah. Do I want bell cows? Of course we all do. Right. How many bell cows are there? There's, there's just a handful. I mean, and then, you know, you get out of, you get out of the first round, there's none, you know, so, uh, you just you just can't enter uh, uh, your your draft analysis just looking for bell cows because you've got to find those guys they're going to fill the rest of your roster and and that's where I think I think this class is very special I think that that there are some talents here that I mean everything that you want to see uh, you know whether it be at, on early downs whether it be as a receiving specialist and change of pace. But that guys that that can that can score points and uh, that that absolutely deserve our attention. Yeah, and I think how we'll break this down is we'll talk about the clear what's considered the top consensus guys first, and then we'll kind of break this down to the pass catching satellite change of pace guys, and then the more physical early down bigger type guys, and maybe. Maybe there's some guys that you think could cross over that maybe haven't shown that opportunity in college, or maybe you see a little bit more behind the scenes. Cause that's how I've been really talking about this class here at Saturday to Sunday is after the, the top guys who probably will be bell cows or close to it. I feel like there's a lot of guys who can be really integral parts of an offense in individualized roles. And they're kind of can be broken down into those space players and those early down physical guys. So it's really going to be interesting to kind of pick your brain to maybe see how you have some of those space players ranked compared to, and then how do you have the more physical tougher guys? Because it, you can't really compare and we're going to get into it later, but you can't really compare a guy like Brian Robinson to Rashad White. Like they're not really comparable players. They're going to be asked to do totally different things at the NFL level. And I think that's hard sometimes for draft Twitter to kind of decipher between those guys because it's not even really an apples to apples comparison. And the NFL is probably looking at it the same way. They're probably a team who wants Rashad White or might be interested in him is probably not interested in Brian Robinson, right? They're just opposite type of players. So I think that's how it's interesting to hear your take is very much looking for special talents and specialized roles. Cause I think that's what the NFL is doing. I think we've seen that over the last decade, that transition to really, you know, move more towards specialized roles. And if not, you're missing out on maybe unique talents that could really help an offense. So before we get to those more specialized guys, let's start at the top. Uh, is Brees Hall and Kent Walker your top two guys? That seems to be out there. And if so, maybe talk us through those two guys a little bit, what you like about them, what you're most excited about. Yeah, so there's there's nobody else at the top. It's Brees Hall. He's he's uh, he's the king here. He's uh, it, it's phenomenal because I mean I mean the guy he he ran for over twelve hundred and fifty times, two hundred and fifty touches per season in his last five five years of football, dating back to to, to high school and uh, at Wichita Northwest, and and this guy has never been injured. Um, he's, he's just a workhorse. Uh, there's a, there's a super flex I'm in with a bunch of sharps and, and I just traded away, um, Dak Prescott and, uh, uh, shoot, I can't even remember who else I gave up quite a bit to, uh, to, to get the, the first overall pick 
in uh, in the rookie draft so I can get Brees Hall on my roster. Um, and it, it's, it, it, he's just going to, he's going to be a guy that's going to come in for me. I mean, I, I already have him listed, uh, right behind Najee Harris. I, I, I run our, um, our, uh, our keeper ranks our dynasty ranks along with, uh, Scott, he, he comes in and, you know, makes some small adjustments to what he sees. And then I adjust, you know, what he <laughs> did a little bit. And it just kind of builds our, our ADP kind of, you know what I mean? Where I might be a little higher on this guy and he's, Oh, hold on. Let's, you know, let's hit the brakes there. And then I'll come in and be like, no, 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 no. We got to get him back up there, but we don't talk about it. We never talk <laughs> about it. Never. Because I can't convince him anything. He can't convince me of anything. So we just adjust. Right. <laughs> and, uh, and, and so I actually had Brees Hall right, uh, right above Najee. I think he's a better pure running back than Najee. Um, but uh, I think Najee's got, you know, got has the advantage as a receiver, but that doesn't mean that, that Brees Hall can't catch it. Definitely can. 71st percentile hands. It's got some oven mitts. I mean, can just snatch the ball out of the air. And uh, I just, I love his speed. If he breaks contain, he's gone. He's gone. I mean, he's, he's the cousin of, of former 49ers running back, Roger Craig, right. Who won three Super Bowls with the 49ers. First ever running back to to rush for a thousand yards and also catch a thousand yards in a season and player of the year nineteen eighty eight. But then his stepfather was Jeff Smith, played running back at Nebraska, was a a really good kick returner and and um, a change of pace for the Chiefs. Played four seasons in the NFL. So I mean this this kid is just he's got the he's got the pedigree and 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 then he's also you can tell by his his rushing style that he's been taught throughout his life. Because what he does is he 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 actually doesn't burst right off the snap as much. He doesn't show everything he has. He waits until that first contact, and then he explodes. And that's something that you see the top running backs in the NFL do, the ones that have been coached by the best. Um, and Brees Hall, man, he's going to be so good in the NFL. He's he's If anyone deserves to go in the first round, it's Brees Hall, right? But... That doesn't mean that Kenneth Walker is not the legit. I mean, this guy, if he doesn't go uh, you know, right at, at the first or second pick of the second round, I mean, it's going to be the next one. You know, I mean, this guy is – I mean, it's just crazy that he sat it on the Wake Forest roster as a, as a rotation guy because, man, what he did for Michigan State – uh, this guy has the top moves in the class. Now, you, you want speed, you want power, you want Brees Hall. You want moves and and also lots of speed and burst and acceleration that has that that could definitely uh, uh, formulate into a bell cow. Now, like you said, we're seeing a, a big reduction there, and that's we added a, an extra game to the season last year. Now, don't don't under don't underappreciate that 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 there, we were already seeing running backs that were that were running themselves into the ground the the bell cows the ones that were that were featured heavily it, when prior to adding that game we've got another game added here i i really don't think give it another 5 years i don't think we're going to see bell cows anymore i think they're going to be they're going to go uh by the wayside and we're going to see complete uh rotations 
1A, 1B rotations with every team in the league moving forward after, you know, maybe maybe some teams may be a little hard-headed and, and fight that a little bit. But, I mean, and then we saw Christian McCaffrey. I mean, he's he's struggling with his with his health, not saying he's injury-prone or anything, but more that I think they that the, the Panthers even realized, look, he may not be – it may not be the best idea to use him as a bell cow. We need to bring someone in to help him carry the load so that we can keep him healthy. Yeah, I mean, great points there on, on Brees Hall and Kent Walker. I'd be surprised if they're not bolt off the board by, let's say, the first 10 picks of the second round. You know, because is there – and you might not have an answer to this, which is fine. Is there is there one or two teams that maybe you're thinking could be, like, ideal landing spots, whether it's be for a schematic fit or maybe even just a fantasy football fit where wide open depth chart that you're like, you know what, I'd be really excited for either uh, Brees Hall or Kenneth Walker to land there. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'd love to see Kenneth Walker landing in in the Dolphins' uh, uh, offense. Um, Mike McCarthy, he he was uh, when I was at the combine. He just he went on and on about how important the running game is. Obviously, they added a couple of guys. You know, I'm not getting excited about Raheem Mostert. He's already 30. Um, you know, I, I I can't help it. Even in a season long format, I, I can't help but go into a draft looking at players. That that I feel have 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 um, run their their course and 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 not look at the guys behind him. I, I I'm always I always want upside 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 upside. I, if I don't if I don't see the upside, I don't want it right. And um and and so I I think that the, there's an opportunity there. Yes, they have Chase Edmonds, but you know we know he's a situational guy. So they need to bring in somebody that, that I mean, of course, I'd, I'd love for the for for, you know, all of the running back needy teams can use Brees Hall. I mean, you know, but uh, it's definitely not a, a, a bad, you know, uh, secondary prize there with Kenneth Walker. I mean, these two guys are, are uh, so, you know, you got Atlanta, you've got, um, you know, which obviously they need somebody there. And then uh, and then you really can't. I. I that's the thing about where the NFL is right now. And I think that is being overlooked is that we really can't eliminate very many teams. Yes, we could, we could probably eliminate Cleveland, but then are they going to bring Kareem Hunt back? You know? Um, so we could, we could look at some of the teams that have two very solid, like Green Bay. I think Green Bay, even though they were, they were doing some interviews of running backs, I think we can probably eliminate them from, from drafting a second or a third round running back. Um, but really it's wide open outside of that because every team needs to bring in guys that can make a difference on the ground um, in this long season. Yeah, and I think that's is spot on. And somebody that lives in New York and follows the Giants closely, they've been doing a lot of due diligence on the running backs because there's a lot of people that think either Saquon still could be traded before the season starts. I personally think that would be a mistake. But if not, maybe during the year or maybe they let him go at the end of next year. So I know they brought in Brees Hall for a top 30 visit. Uh, they've been very connected to James Cook, who we're going to be talking about soon. So like you said, teams that may not appear to be in need right now could very much pull the trigger. So, yeah, there's the teams like Houston who could use a starting running back in Atlanta. But basically, like you said, there could be teams already thinking, like, listen, we know we're not going to re-sign our running back long term. We're going to let them go. We're going to transition out. You know, and day two is the sweet spot for a lot of running backs, right? We've seen Buffalo take the mantra of we're going to draft one in the third round pretty much every year. We'll see if that continues this year and just kind of cycle through these guys, not paying them that top dollars of round one or round two. You know, so there's a lot of teams that could be in the mix for them. Uh, and I'm right there with you. I think Hall and, and Kenneth Walker are the top two guys. I think Kenneth Walker's 
receiving proudness might be a little bit underestimated because he just wasn't asked to do it much in Michigan State. I think he's tried to answer that bell a little bit at the combine and stuff like that. Uh, and we always go back to – I always go back to somebody like Leonard Fournette, right? We valued him coming out as he can't be a pass catcher. Well, they just didn't ask him to do that, right? And neither, neither did Jacksonville early on. But we're seeing in Tampa Bay that he's a very more than well-off functional you know, pass catcher. And I think a lot of these guys probably that's the case. But in college, they're rotating. They have specialized roles. The coaches need to keep all their players happy you know, in terms of the guys they recruited. So they kind of spread the wealth a little bit. Uh, you know, and I think that's some of the case that sometimes we pigeonhole guys as he can't do something, but it might just be he wasn't asked to do something. I think that might be the case with Kenneth Walker. So after that, I think it's wide open. I I, I truly think it's wide open. I know who I have as my third running back. Uh, I'm interested to hear your take before we kind of branch off into more of those specialized things. Who's, who for you, Wes, is, is RB3? Uh, and how, is it a big gap from the top two guys? Or is it another guy you think warrants going round two? Or maybe more now we're talking round three. Well, before we go there, if I could, if I could yeah. just jump back to the the receiving thing with Kenneth Walker. So, uh, yeah, he didn't. He did. He only caught seventeen balls during during his collegiate career. Uh, I get that, right? Um, so, you know, we don't have a ton of uh, of of you know examples. But going back to high school, when uh, when when he just blew up at Arlington in Tennessee, uh, he caught sixty four passes and and sixteen touchdowns receiving. Um, so this guy, and then, and then the thing that, that every scout is going to do, they're not going to look at, oh, he's only got this number of, of catches and this, you know, and he only, you know, scored two receiving touchdowns. No, 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 no. They're going to look at every single one of those targets. They're going to look at every single one of his routes and then they're going to evaluate what he's doing. What we see on his tape, he's a, he's a hand catcher. That is that puts him in a class above so many other running backs uh, in this in this class that that I mean that have good numbers like you look at Brian Robinson oh yeah he's got he's got the ability to be a receiver you know what Kenneth Walker's a better receiver than Brian Robinson Brian Robinson catches with his body right and 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 he's not a great route runner he he works a lot out of out of the backfield you know a lot of a lot of just short throws to the flats. Not saying that's not valuable. It is. But what I am saying is Kenneth Walker, he is a good receiver. He 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 gained a lot of yardage after contact, generated something like a 111 uh targeted passer rating as a receiver during his career. I mean, this guy can play play some ball in the receiving game. Now, getting into the third uh, third running back for me, um, so we have Chris Hall, we have Kenneth Walker. There, there's no projection there. They are they are stud running backs, right? I do think there's a slight drop to number three, and and it, and it's somebody who I think a lot of people were were turned off by uh, after his pro day numbers, and that's Isaiah Spiller. Um, now here's the thing: he 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 went into the combine. He weighed at two seventeen, six foot and three uh, three eighths inches. Uh, you know, so he's not he's not massive, but he he got up to uh, two hundred twenty five pounds as a junior. Um, and, and, and I think he could even add another five pounds to that. I actually thought he looked best or excuse me, as a true sophomore, I thought he looked, uh, m- the, the most healthy when he was on the field, when he, during his true sophomore year, when he had that extra weight, I think he's going to, I think when he's drafted, a team's going to have him add that weight back on. And what does that tell us? That tells us this guy is, has, has the frame to be, to be an early down running back 
that that that's going to come in and be that's going to come into the NFL and be featured. Now, I do think there's a slight projection to his game because he doesn't he's not a burner. He doesn't have four three nine speed. You know, he's not going to go if he if he breaks contain. He's 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 not going to take it to the edge. I mean, take it to the house. There's a, a backside sprinters are going to they're going to track him down. But it doesn't mean he's not going to pick up 25, 30 yards before that. You look at a guy like Jerome Bettis. I mean, how many breakaway touchdowns did Jerome Bettis have? Now, Jerome Bettis got up to I, I don't even know what his weight was there towards the end. He was a massive dude. But I'm talking like even earlier in his career, he didn't have 80 yard runs. You know, this he he did his work on 20, 30 yard pickups when he, on his explosive stuff. That's similar to what Isaiah Spiller does, except he's not a power. He's not a direct power guy. I actually wish he would do, would be a little more physical, but he's more, he's more of a shifty guy. He's hopping left and right, left and right. So his energy is, is just, it's, it's inspiring for a guy, his size, I'm, you know, bouncing all over the field, taking the contact that he takes. He can also catch the ball. And if you look at what he, what, what, where he's coming into the league, he's, he's going to be like, he's, he's right at, right at Brees Hall. Kid wasn't even bored till September of 2001. He's a big baby, right? So you can, you can mold him into a good player. I know his 40 time doesn't, doesn't, you know, excite everybody. Um, but you know, let, let's, let's be careful with that. I mean, a four, six, four is not, is not a killer. Um, I look, I don't like to look at speed scores. I think speed scores, um, they, they narrow the focus too much. I I don't like formulas. I don't like anything like that. Um, and, and neither do scouts. Scouts never look at that stuff. What scouts do is they have thresholds. They build a threshold for where that where they want to see a player, uh, uh, get under. And if they get under, they don't think about it again. And this four, six, four, it's it sounds slow but let's let's go back to what made this kid a top 10 recruit in the country back when he was coming out of high school he ran a four five eight which is right around that area and i guarantee you he could run that again if retested and and there is another pro day coming up for texas a&m and i would not be surprised if we see both spiller and and jalen weidermeyer who was really disappointing if we see both of them retest and try to get um uh get those times down just to you know uh, help with public perception per se yeah i love going back to you said something about kent walker about like don't look at the stats and look at the look at the actual film and then you talked about it a little bit here with isaiah spiller when you're talking about his 40 time you know i think he gets so lost in the shuffle especially on twitter is NFL teams, I, I know people don't want to hear it, especially the analytic people don't want to hear it, but I don't think the NFL really cares too much about collegiate stats and collegiate production. And if they do, they definitely don't care about college production without context, exactly. without the context of understanding when it came. Like, And not that we're going to get into the rabbit hole of quarterbacks, right? But what does it really matter if a guy's gotten 75% completion percentage if all he's thrown is five-yard screen, uh, wide receiver screens, five-yard quick slants? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Don't tell me he's got a good completion percentage and he's an accurate quarterback if that's all he does, right? And Bailey Zapp might be a a perfect example of that this year. But – and, and that goes to the same thing with the running backs. I 100% agree with you. Kenneth Walker's a better receiver than Brian Robinson, regardless of what the stats show. And, and Isaiah Spiller, he's, he's my number four guy. I like Isaiah Spiller. I do think there's a little bit of a gap between him and the top two guys. I would be, I'd be less comfortable taking him in round two, more comfortable taking him in round three. I think that's probably his sweet spot, to be honest with you. Uh, but I think you said a lot of really important points there that 
his production on the field, his play speed, his vision, and, and putting it all together supersedes a straight line 40 time, right? We've seen a lot of really good running backs be in the mid four fives and, and be smaller than a guy like Isaiah Spiller. So if it's early four sixes, I don't think that's a big deal in terms of who he's going to be and how productive he's going to be at the next level. So let's kind of transition this. I want to bring up my third running back and kind of use that as the jumping off point of kind of divvying these guys up after the three guys we talked about. So let's go to the guys who I consider, whether you want to call them space players, change of pace, specialized roles, committee, whatever you want. For me, James Cook is my number third running back, and I think he's the best of that style of running back in this class. And I think it it kind of starts off with James Cook, and we go to Rashad White and Tyler Beatty and 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 Kyron Williams, if you want. Even though speaking of poor forty times. Uh, why don't we start there? Why don't we start with James Cook and we'll kind of go through some of these guys who, who I consider satellite players or specialized players. Yeah. So if you want the shot, shot out of a cannon type of a running back, this is your guy. Um, I, I have him, I have him right now as, as my RB five, but that's just because uh, I, I absolutely love Rashad white, but I would put the two together. I know some people, uh, they, they see some of the, 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 the running, uh, uh, you know, uh, shortcomings I, w- I guess I'll say of Rashad White and they 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 can't see the 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 forest through the trees be, because of of what he brings but as far as James Cook goes I mean th- he, he never saw his yards per carry dip below um 6 during his entire NFL or football career ever I mean this guy is is the picture of consistency uh he he may have he may be right there uh n- with Kenneth Walker in acceleration, and he's also right there with Kenneth Walker in uh, a jump cut, in the jump cut ability. I think that they, they both have um, the the best of those in this class. And and um, you know the one thing I you know actually I think James Cook, if he were to put on just a few more pounds, I think he could be a feature running back. But the problem is, is he's got he's got smaller his smaller legs are um they kind of limit his game a little bit and 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 not not his ability to 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 run the ball no way he was he's been awesome but when a when a defender goes low they can take him out by getting those legs when they go high he's got this wide chest i mean very big chest um i can't remember let's see what is it a 72nd percentile chest measurement i mean he is thick in the chest like you go high on him and he is going to laugh at you while he runs right through you you don't do it now i'm not seeing a defensive tackle you know they could probably pick him up throw him on the ground but if he's even if he's going up against like a smaller cornerback they go low he's going down and and you can see it just over and over and over and over on his tape he doesn't do well there yeah but what i mean he does do well though go ahead you can no, no, I was just I was just going to say that's a really interesting point there and and it's one of many you've brought up today little nuggets that I think might be flying under the radar right about you know you know Brees Hall's lineage in terms of who who you know who he's been related to and you know you have these things you know Kenneth Walker's high school stats I think these are things that have been not publicly, you know, talked about at all, really, on, on on draft Twitter enough in terms of the mainstream coverage of it that people, you know, might be missing certain things like this in terms of the complete picture. And you're talking about James Cook and, and the body type is is another interesting one that I don't think a lot of people have been talking about. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, so, but you know, if, if you want stop and go acceleration, um, it, the, he's a weapon, is what I like to look at. I like to look at. I don't want to call him uh, scat backs. I don't want to call him change of pace, even though you know I'll occasionally throw that out there without thinking. Um, when when I when I think about it and when I when I'm ready to present it, I, I like to I like to present. So you know how players come out of high school and they'll be playing on they'll play both sides of the ball and and then they go they go onto their college roster and before the team even knows how they're going to use them they just put them down as athletes and 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 a lot of times we'll miss out when so if you play college fantasy if you're not careful you got to be careful with those guys cuz they won't they won't be listed as running back or wide receivers or quarterbacks um they'll be listed as like a, an athlete and you they'll go under the radar you go to go into your trap you're like well, how come I didn't get that? What was wrong with my evaluation? Why didn't I look at it? And then you're like, oh, he wasn't even listed, you know, there. So there's so many examples where I got burned in the past when I didn't just, when I wasn't just careful with that. So, um, but that's how I view James Cook and Rashad White. They're athletes, they're weapons. I think both of these guys could, you could, you could convert them to slot receiver and they would become, uh, uh, you know, not right away, but they would, they would become the, uh, pro bowl type of players as a slot receiver but why aren't they moved there well they probably will they will play a lot of they will play a lot of snaps from the slot and you'll see you'll see both of them working behind the line of scrimmage on some on some trick plays as well especially cook man there's so many examples of cook defeating sec coverage from the slot as a receiver and i'm talking vertically i'm not talking these little these little, you know, slants and 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 streamers, these crossers over the middle. I'm talking. This kid goes deep on on real talent and and catches the ball. Um, he's got everything you need as a receiver. I'm blown away by both of these kids as a receiver, and that's why I'm very excited about them. You know, people people will say, "Oh, Cook's too small." Rashad White doesn't have the he doesn't he doesn't have that great balance. Um, look. When, when, when you can catch the ball like they can, and you can be such a dominant weapon for your offense, and then you can also carry the ball. So with Rashad White, he doesn't have Cook's acceleration. What he does have is some explosive jumping ability. You try to go low on Rashad White, he'll turn you into a poster. Go look it up. Go look at Rashad White hurdle. And you will see running backs laying, I mean, defensive players laying flat on the ground with Rashad White nine feet in the air. You cannot teach that type of athleticism. This kid is going to be a special addition in the NFL. James Cook, special addition in the NFL. His stop and go acceleration, I know I already brought it up, but his stop and go acceleration, man, does it remind me of Dalvin Cook. You talk about lineage. I don't think we could get, uh, you know, more direct than that. We're talking about you know, one of our beloved bell cows here. And uh, James Cook, I'm telling you, I think he's better than his brother in certain areas of the game. Now, he doesn't have that early down potential because James Cook is thicker in the legs. It was just the way he was born. He's got thicker He's got thicker meat in the legs that allows him to absorb through contact, to work through guys that James Cook's not going to get away with. At the same time, you're not going to send Dalvin Cook out into the slot. Now, it doesn't mean he can't catch the short stuff, but he's not going to be defeating NFL slot corners deep and, and you know, uh, uh, mid, mid-range. mid So James Cook can do all that. 
and and there are limitations when you get outside of the bell cow there are limitations for all running backs look at nick chubb seriously limited as, as a receiver you need guys to come in and fill in those gaps, but that are also going to come in and they're going to eat up a good, even a 40% carry share for a doubt uh, for a James Cook or Rashad White, along with the receiving responsibilities and the, the up-tempo responsibilities. We're talking, these guys can make an, an instant impact in the NFL. Yeah. And here at Saturday Sunday, we've been talking about James Cook for a while. And the name that we've constantly brought up, for a variety of reasons. And again, it, it, it gets portrayed as we were people thinking that we're saying he's going to have this level of success. Who knows? But for so many reasons, we've brought up the name for now two years was Alvin Kamara because Tennessee didn't, for whatever reason, appropriately use him. I think James Cook at Georgia was more, they had so much talent. I, mm-hmm. I don't think it was the coaches not realizing what he could do, but more than just spreading the wealth out. But from the lack of heavy usage in college to what he could do in the passing game. And again, you probably said it right. Calling these guys change of pace or committee backs is a disservice. It should be versatile offensive playmaker, right? And, you know, like that almost should be like a name out there, like, you know, like, or offensive weapon, like, you know, OW. And that would, that's really what defines these guys. And James Cook is one of those guys who, if he played at a different school that wasn't loaded, he might have these gaudy stats, and be intriguing, but he chose Georgia, which understandably so, it's one of the premier programs in, in, in the country. And we just haven't seen him put that production. And if he would have went somewhere else, his production probably would have been elite, even in terms of bulk of stats, not like the, you know, the volume just wasn't there at Georgia. You know, I'm a big fan of him. I'm a big fan of Rashad White. I, I've kind of said he reminds me in some ways of an Antonio Gibson type player who was a very much more receiver at Memphis than, than, than running back. And it's been weird that, that really hasn't been utilized so much with Washington. And we'll see if that expands upon itself. But I think you're right. I think both of these guys, you know, are they going to be traditional early down runners? No, probably not. And you laid out all the reasons why, but these guys are going to have major, major impacts at the next level. If we stick to, I don't think from hearing you talk, I don't think you have any of these other guys I'm going to bring up maybe at the level of James Cook or Sean White, but any thoughts, and you don't have to talk about all of them. You can pick and choose other guys who I think kind of fit this roles that could be specialized uh, would be Tyler Beatty out of Missouri, uh, who this year showed he could carry a heavy workload. But prior to this, it was more of that space type player. Uh, Kyron Williams, who obviously we know he could carry a heavy workload, but I don't think that's going to be what he's asked to do at the next level. Uh, you know, a Jerry on Ely a guy who's been in the Debbie and, and college football world for a while, you know, the, the dual sport athlete of, of baseball and football. Any thoughts on those guys or any other guys that maybe you think fit this role of offensive weapons that could be used in a variety of ways at the next level? Yeah, I like I like Beatty. I think I think he's he's uh, I think he's more of a, a guy that's going to fit into a change of pace and and uh situational running back role because uh you know uh, at five foot eight i mean and 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 you know besides that he's uh he's he's i hate to say it but you know he's just he's just the, that that smallish frame i think that that um i think there's going to be some durability concerns if if he were to take on something like a 40 percent share i think i think we're looking at more somewhere in the range of a 25 to 30 percent share 
of of uh, backfield uh, sh- uh, carries and and obviously receiving work. Uh, he's 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 really good as a receiver. Um, uh, you know, I, I really like him. Low center of gravity, I think. And and, and with, without that, I would be completely off Tyler Beatty. The first thing I was looking for when I turned on his tape, I wanted to see him get low. You know, I watch I've watched these guys through their careers. But I, I just want to I just want to make sure it's clear that, uh, you know, it wasn't like I turned on the table like, oh, here's this guy, Tyler. Bate. No, I've been watching this kid play since, you know, his first season. I, I, I'm a I'm a fanatical college football fan. I, I, I watch whatever I can get. I can get I can absorb. And um, but, uh, you know, it, 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 with with Beatty, he's a he's a guy that 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 he can run through. He's a little bit like James Cook, thick in the chest, can run through that high contact. Um, and he chains together some slippery moves. I, I, I really like his uh, his his skill set. I think it's it's a, it's a great addition here. I th- um, you know, if if I um, uh, when I first saw him, the first thing that that shot out at me is like something like a a, a little a less twitchy Tariq Cohen. Um, but more of like um, like a, a JD McKissick, Naheem, Naheem Hines type of player um, who I think is is criminally being criminally used at Indianapolis uh, last year. You know, I'm not saying he needs to eat into Jonathan Taylor's workload. No way. But how about take some of those passes back from from uh, Carson Wentz and, you know, at least give uh uh, Hines a couple of carries kid runs a four three I mean you know if you want breakaway let's let's give him just a couple of carries not nothing crazy and 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 see see if he can just break one for us you know I just think that's he's like an instant offense type thing and that's where I think Beatty's going to come into um into the NFL he's going to be a, a, a kid that's I think he's going to have a long career um and 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 just to just to kind of expand on that I think that we're looking like Yes, it's not the most top-heavy elite class in history. Actually, I think next year's will be with Bijan Robinson and um, uh, let's see, uh, Zach Evans. Oh, he transferring over to Ole Miss, and then we've got Devin Shane, also out of Texas A&M, and then we've got uh, there's another one. To, oh, um, Jameer Gibbs just transferred from from Georgia Tech over to Alabama. I mean. I, just ridiculous i don't know if we've seen four potential first rounders in in a single nfl draft at least since i've been watching the nfl draft there may have been one way back in the day i'm 43 um yeah i've been playing fantasy sport sports for 30 years over 30 years and i've always been just just I love the NFL. I love college football. I love the NFL draft. Uh, my job, this I have the greatest job in the world. The fact that I, I draw a salary to write about, to analyze and write about football is dream come true. I jump out of bed. But yeah, I do not remember another class that is as top-heavy elite as the 2023 will be. And I don't remember a class, and I'm not just saying this, I don't remember a class with so much middle middle round depth as this class. And I think it's related to what happened last year with COVID. I think a lot of players came back for one more year because they just didn't get it out of their system with the early season. I know the SEC, they, they played, you know, a full season and a couple other of the leagues out there like the ACC. But you look at like the Big Ten, the Pac-12, and then all of the smaller conferences, we're seeing a lot of guys that stayed in school. And and, and so I think it's lead, it's why we're, we could potentially have, what, 12 to 13 
uh, wide receivers drafted in the first 45 picks or something. I mean, it's just it's it's ridiculous how deep uh, 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 this class is. Um, I like Tyler Beatty. I, I really liked Kyron Williams up until his testing. You mentioned his bad 40 time. That wasn't all that was bad. He was bad across the board. He's That's a big red flag for me. I dropped him pretty far down in my ranks. The, he's got really good hands. He's a playmaker. And we've seen running backs who just don't fit that athleticism mold turn into something in the NFL just with their playmaking. I'm not, I'm not, I'm just not going to be betting the farm on it. And then um, the other guy you mentioned, uh, um, uh, Ely, I like him a lot. Now he's the guy that I think he's, I think he ran the most routes out of the slot of any of these running backs. He's another guy that I think is, is a special receiver. Problem with him is he's so small that, he doesn't have the the rushing potential that we see with with Rashad White and or I'll I'll put it your way James Cook and Rashad White. I think I don't see that type of potential there. I met him at the combine. He's a great kid. He he wants to prove himself. You know, he's not, I wouldn't say a chip on his shoulder because I didn't I didn't get that impression of a guy that like like Devonte Price. He has a chip on his shoulder. Um, but, but Ely, he came across more like, look, I've already done everything I can do while I was in school. Plus I was, a, uh, I think he's a, he was a first round pick in the MLB draft. I mean, just a phenomenal athlete. And, um, and, and, but I, I think he's going to come into, into a, a situation role that, um, that, that'll be similar to Beatty. But I think, I think dissimilar to Beatty, I think Ely is another kid that could be a slot receiver. And 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 I wouldn't be shocked if that's where they moved him when he got to the NFL. Yeah, Ely's Somebody the guy, like a Curtis Samuel type. Yeah, that's a good that's a good comp. Obviously, what surprised me with Ely is I thought his athletic testing was actually going to be a lot better than it was. I feel like his play speed is a lot faster than what his combine speed was. Like obviously, you brought up Curtis Samuel, his translator right from the the football field to the combine. But I feel like Jerry Ely plays a lot faster than like a four or five guy. I thought he was going to test more like a low four, four guy. That was probably one of the more surprising 40 times. I didn't think Kyron Williams was going to be fast. I thought he was going to be faster than he was. Uh, I've heard the the name thrown around of Kyron Williams is going to have success at the next level. He might have to do it in like a James White type role where he's more of that. He's a great, great pass protector, probably the best pass protector in the class. Mm, So he's right there with Brian Robinson. Yeah. Yeah. So really good pass protector good hands that might have to be the role Kyron Williams plays at the next level. If he has sustained success, uh, why don't we transition? I, I will this? say Jerry yeah. Neely did retest at his pro day, ran a four, four, seven. Okay. Okay. I, I had, had an 81st that, percentile so. 20 split and, and 61st 10 split and that four, four, seven 65th percentile. I don't think it, I think it's a non-issue now. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know that. So that's good. That's good to know that you yeah. got that down for sure. Uh, let's transition to some of what do you, what do you want to call them? Physical, bigger, early down backs. I, I think there's a, a, a lot of ways. Obviously, very different style players than the guys that we were just talking about, who can maybe be slot receivers and really, really dynamic pass catchers. I'll kind of open the floor up. I'm going to give you a bunch of names here, and maybe you kind of start with whoever you like the most, and, and we'll pick we'll pick our way through some of these guys. But I would say in this group, you have guys like Brian Robinson. You have guys like Zamir White. Damien Pierce seems to be a hot, hot name in, in the draft Twitter community. Uh, Kennedy Brooks. I'm probably um, t- 
Tyler Algier. I'm probably forgetting some other guys that are, that are in this mix of guys. Uh, Abram Smith is another guy that seems to be getting some momentum. Kevin Harris out of South Carolina. There's so many guys. Snoop Connor out of Ole Miss. Kennedy, I think I said Kennedy Brooks or Hassan Haskins out of Michigan. So maybe why don't you start there? I, I threw out a bunch of names. Is there one or two right off the bat that you say, I like these guys the most from this kind of group of somewhat similar players? So there's one that I like ahead of all of them that you didn't – I don't think you mentioned Kevin Harris. Did you say him? I, I did mention him out of South okay. Carolina. Yeah. He seems to be for, like the forgotten man. A year ago, he would have been like I think on everybody's like early day two radar, and now I feel like nobody's really talking about him. Yeah. Uh, he's he, His nickname is The Bus. Um, and, you know, I'm not going to say he's – He's that level, uh, you know, but uh, uh, I'm not going to, I'm definitely not going to uh, argue, you know, the fact that he may be the minibus or something, um, you know, 73rd percentile vertical, 76th percentile broad jump. This kid is explosive. And uh, when, when you're running around at his size, um, yeah, I, I, I can't remember the, the exact weight that he had. Um, it was 222. Uh, yeah. I mean, this guy is is just a massive load. I, I think he's, you know, honestly, he's he's really good running inside. He might be even better running on the outside. You, I mean, goodness, watching him go up against cornerbacks was comical. Um, he's great on, with man man blocking, um, which fits perfectly with the Dolphins, by the way. Um, and, uh, you know, I really like him, you know, obviously he, which people forget led the sec in rushing last year. Um, and then he had back surgery prior to this season. So he came along a little bit slower. Um, I still thought they should have, they should have, uh, brought him along even slower than they did. I thought, I thought, and you know, part of that is you gotta, you, you gotta protect players from certain players from themselves. And I think Kevin Harris is one of those. Um, so I think that that's something that, that his, his future team is, is going to need to make note of because some kids they'll tell you they want to play no matter how they feel. And, um, and there was, there was a game this year where Kevin Harris, uh, he sprained his ankle. Uh, he, he left the game. They, he wanted to come out and play the very next game. I think it was a high ankle sprain. He wanted to play the very next game and he was just not himself. Um, but then from that, after that game though, he came back and was like, he looked like he was 100% back. He blew up in, in the bowl game there against North Carolina. Um, I'm, I'm 100% convinced. Um, so when it comes to injuries, we don't care about little back things that, you know, he's got a, he's got a muscle tear in his back. Who cares? All we care about are those ACLs. If he keeps those ACLs intact, we're happy. His ACL, well, Achilles as well, obviously, but that's, that's more of like a, monumental type injury not everyone can uh can cam acres cam acres those um but uh yeah so I'm, I'm really excited about kevin harris you mentioned zamir white i don't like him um well for one he, he tore both of his acls before uh he ever he ever played a snap for georgia um it, and it, it it sapped his explosion he doesn't have he doesn't have the explosion uh the thing that concerns me the most with him uh when he when he gets the handoff and he's, he's actually got a really nice jump cut. I, I actually like his jump cut. And, and when he shows that off, I think we see the best of Zamir White. But when he can't jump cut it, he puts his helmet directly down and runs the crown of his helmet into whatever's in front of him, whether it be a teammate or whoever else. He will just run his, the crown of his helmet directly into it. 
I do not like that style of play, especially at running back. Well, actually, I can't even think of a maybe an offensive lineman, but I I, I don't see how that long term is a is a good trait to have. I think I think it should have been coached out of him a long time ago, and I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of people tried. Um, he's going to have some. He's, there's a, there's definite CTE. It, whether you believe it's real or not, it there's some CTE long term concerns here with Zamir White with his playing style, um, and 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 part of that um, another another offshoot of that is you never see you'll see you'll see an explosive play where he he just lowers his head breaks through he's like oh nobody's there and I think there's maybe two or three times in his Georgia career where he had a long run. And that's because he's always lowering his head and, and, uh, and he, he doesn't keep his eyes up to see, to see daylight. I'm not saying you want to, you don't want to have a running back that runs towards daylight. You want to have a running back that is naturally using his gifts on the run, but that when he sees daylight, he kicks it into high gear. Right. Um, but, uh, uh, but a guy I love, I wouldn't call him a power back though. I would, I would classify, I would classify, uh, Kennedy Brooks into a category, uh, a, a separate category here. Um, and I would put Pierre strong there. Um, and, and I, I just love these two guys, but I'll set them aside because, um, uh, you wanted to talk about the power backs. So, um, uh, the other guy I really like, uh, is Hassan Haskins, another guy didn't test, right? But here's the thing. His his brother played in the NFL, Maurice Alexander. I, I think he was drafted in the third round several years ago. Uh, ran a 4.54. He's the exact same size as Hassan Haskins. Six foot one and one quarter inches. 220 pounds is what he measured at the combine. Ran a 4.54. He also had a, a 7.05 three cone and a 38-inch vertical. 123 inch broad jump. Now the, the, the vertical is, is what I want to, I want to point out there other than the other, the other things he's got the footwork. He's got this, he's got the speed of, you know, it's exactly the same as Brian Robinson, the vertical, go look up again, go look up Hassan Haskins hurdle. If you look, go back to the Ohio state game, there's a sequence of plays where without him, there's no way Michigan beats Ohio state. No way. Right. Um, but there's a sequence of plays there where he just looked like an NFL team couldn't even stop him. He hurdled a guy, a clean hurdled him. I'm not talking got his arm on his shoulder. Jump, I'm talking jumped over this guy and 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 ran it into the end zone or or got tripped up like a couple yards short. But just, I mean, this this kid is NFL level athleticism, and nobody's talking about him. Because he didn't test for one, uh, he has a he has an injury. I, I think an ankle injury. Actually, um, I, I watched every I, all these guys. I've watched every carry of their 2021 season, in addition to what I saw in previous seasons. But when I was doing my evaluation, watched every single one of their touches. And um, there's a there's a carry in the Georgia game where I think he hurt his ankle, which um, um, or, or excuse me, in the Iowa in the Big Ten championship in the Iowa game where I, where I think he hurt his ankle, and then but he didn't he didn't uh, there was no reporting of it, and he actually played against Georgia, and he was just worthless. I really think he had a high ankle sprain, and and it, you know being the only time he could ever play in the playoffs, which I completely understand. 
uh, he went ahead and played and, you know, obviously didn't work out, but, you know, they have, they have Donovan Edwards and Blake Corm. So, I mean, you know, they had, they had the guys that could come in if, if, you know, obviously he couldn't uh, play it hundred percent, which is what it actually what happened. But um, I really love Hassan Haskins. I think, I think this kid is going to be a featured back in the NFL. Um, he's not, he's not a, he's not a bell cow. He's not, he's not going to, he's not, he's going to, he's going to have a change of pace. He's going to have a, a, an up-tempo guy come in. I think he can catch the ball actually pretty good. Well, I, uh, when I was at the combine and, and, and John Hanson was interviewing him, uh, John asked him about that, about his receiving ability. He was like, look, I can catch the ball. He was like, but we had Blake Corm and Donovan Edwards, two guys that are like some of the, you know, some of the top receiving backs in the, in college football right now. So I just wasn't allowed to, because they were so good at it, you know? And, and I think that's a great point because I mean, I, I, I didn't see any issues. I think, you know, he'll, he'll catch the body with his, with his, with his, or he'll catch the ball with his body every now and then. And um, I, I do like his moves, you know, it takes a, a split second longer to, to engage into down the field type work. But uh, I, I think there's potential there for him to catch like something similar to a Brian Robinson, which you mentioned. So Brian Robinson, it's a different deal altogether because I mean, this guy's massive, um, you know, uh, six foot one and a half, 225 pounds. And, and you know what, he could probably put on a little bit more weight, but if he does, it's, it's going to kill that 40 time that he showed the, the, the issue with Robinson is he runs extremely high. I'm talking barely get, gets down, has no desire to lower his pads and will take shots to the ribs to the lower legs, go to the Florida game week three. I think it was the third carry of the game. He very nearly had his knee tore completely up. And I'm surprised he didn't do something to his knee, something to his MCL, at least um, on a, on a run. And on the, on the right sideline where a guy he's running real high and a guy comes and hits him in the leg. That's what our concern is with Brian Robinson. Because here's the thing: he doesn't have that that twitchy explosion to to get at, to get off his feet. He's his feet are planted in the gran- ground when he's running. He's a ninth percentile footwork, ninth in the in the shuttle, the five ten five shuttle. That he's got some Andre the Giant footwork, right? Now that said. When he does get his pad level down, man, he delivers some hurt. Um, if he, I think, with the right type, with the right coaching, I think he can become a weapon. He's not. Don't don't think his receiving work makes him a belt. It's not happening. Um, he's he's got some he's got some issues with his. He's a lot like Hassan Haskins. He's slow to transition. He's he's uh, he's a body catcher. Uh, you know all the all the the shortcomings that we see with a lot of a lot of running backs coming out of college, and, um, and but you know no explosion, poor footwork, but at the same time, and I'm really conflicted about him because I think that he could be he could be a decent early down running back and and potentially a starter. Um, you can never count a guy out at this size and with 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 anything close to average or slightly above average 40 time 20 split 10 split i mean right across across the board but when you get outside of there the 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 athleticism is pretty disappointing um if you go back to his high school career in his junior year he ran for 447 yards third game of the season the eighth most yards in alabama high school history right six days later he he, he got his con he got his uh his scholarship offer from alabama 
And then from that point on over the rest of his career, he actually struggled big time. Then he comes to Alabama, and I don't think there's ever been another Alabama player play at least 10 games in five separate seasons. I think he's the only one. But, um, uh, you know, going into that year, like I said, it was third game, third carry against Florida. His his time to break out was almost not there. And I'm not even going to go into Tyler Algier. Um, his athleticism is below every threshold that a scout would look at. If he's not a sixth or seventh round pick, I'll be shocked. Uh, maybe undrafted free agent. Yeah, he had good production. D- dude is not an athletic player. Um, I don't know what in the world. I haven't. I've, I've not evaluated him because he is far down on my evaluation list. Yes, yeah, a lot of great points there about uh, a lot of the running backs you just went through that probably fit that mold. Again, it's a very loosely defined early down, physical, strong power runners. Whatever you, whatever you kind of want to group them. I, I I do think Tyler Algier is like in like the 13, 14 range for me. So I'm right there with you. I know some people I respect their opinion a lot have him in their top five, top six. I don't see that at all. I'll uh, tell you who does. The the analytic type the, that base a lot of their evaluations on the anal- solely on the analytics. Those are the people that are going to say, oh, wow, look at these numbers. But I'm telling you, you got you to gotta marry those two. If you don't marry those two, then uh, you, you find a lot of a, a Tyler Algier – Algiers being drafted way too early. Have you had a chance to look at either Abram Smith uh, from Baylor or Ty Davis Price out of LSU? Because those are some guys that I feel like have getting a little bit of late momentum in terms of some of the you know the the, the big draft media guys have them you know in their top tens, and I feel like they've kind of went under the radar a little bit on draft Twitter. Are either of those guys that you've had a chance to evaluate? Uh, well, okay, so I, I have not I've not done a, a thorough evaluation of their of their tape. Um, I've watched, I, okay. So here's the deal with Abram Smith. He was a linebacker until this past year. Right. And, and when I met him at the, at the combine dude had a look in his eye, like you say the wrong thing and I'll kill you. <laughs> not, not, I don't, I'm not trying to say he's a felon. No, 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 no. I don't, don't, don't take that the wrong way. I mean, like this guy's mean, like he's ready to, to be, get physical on a football field. Um, and I said, I said, Abram, I said, I'm a big fan. He goes, you're a big fan. Really? Like, pfft. You don't even know who I am. I was like, no, dude. I was like, I mean, beyond to be honest, I said, you didn't even play offense until this past year. So, I mean, I don't have a whole lot to go on. I said, but I, what I saw, I was like, you were, you were productive and efficient with every touch that I saw. I was, you won me money in DFS. I said, I'm a fan. You know what I mean? <laughs> Uh, but, uh, yeah, so he's got, he's got, he's like, um, he's like Kennedy Brooks. They've got, um, if you see the, the Burger King commercials, they've got the, the, the small hands, right. And, and, and so that, that's going to limit their receiving ability. Um, um, Kennedy Brooks, I think the only, only guy that, that tested with smaller hands and, and the combine over the last, or excuse me, I have to include every, everybody from the 2021 season because we didn't have a combine. So over the past 10 years, including the 2021 pro days, um, because we didn't have a combine, um, the only guy that tested with smaller hands was uh, JV and Hawkins. And he was tiny out of Louisville, uh, tiny kid. But I mean, we don't, we don't have that with Kennedy Brooks. Kennedy Brooks got a little, little baby hands. Uh, but, uh, uh, and the same with Abram Smith, small hands. Uh, they, 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 they measured in the 14th percentile, not quite as small as uh, I, I, Kennedy Brooks is like down below the 10th percentile. Percentile, but his other testing was good. Uh, four five four, 
um, uh, seven two five in the three cone, thirty six inch vertical. Uh, so so everything we want to see there at, at, at running back. And uh, um, I really liked what I saw on tape. I've not gone in depth. He, you mentioned uh, Ty Davis Price. Um, those are the two guys that if after I get, I've got to go through a lot of wide receivers, you know. And and honestly, I'm 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 pushing um, quarterback and tight ends to the back. I mean, for me, I've got to get these wide receivers and running backs evaluated because we're going to be talking about these running backs and wide receivers for the next decade. That that's how, that's how deep these groups are um, that, that, that can make an NFL uh, a career for themselves and an impact in fantasy. So I think it's very important that we get through, that I get through a lot of these guys. Um, and, you know, obviously not everyone's going to, buy into all of my evaluations, but I will say that, you know, I try my very hardest to, to um, make sure that they, they are, they are unbiased. They're genuine. I never read an evaluation from that. Somebody else has written until after I've evaluated a player. Um, And, and uh, 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 so, you know, you'll see, you'll see me making some, some different types of ranks you'll see me put together different ranks than a lot of other people will um because i don't i don't buy into the rumors that are passed around i think they're worthless i think they're lies spread by teams yes every now and then uh you one you'll get one right but you know what those are the ones that anybody could have guessed you know um and 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 i think i think 80% of the time they're wrong and the other 20% everyone has already predicted that. So what is the point? I think these rumors and these, these mock drafts that you see just, just thrown around left and right, so much noise. Um, and, and, and uh, it, it, I, I'll tell you where to focus. If you really want to focus on, on something of value, focus on people that are actually evaluating the players and not talking up rumors. It doesn't matter if it's analytical evaluation or film evaluation. Focus on the evaluation. Do not focus on these these uh, mock drafts based off of rumors. They are worthless, and um, you know I, I could go on all day about it. But I do like Abram Smith. I do like Tyrion Davis Price. I can't go into full um, full on evaluation mode for you though because I haven't watched. Uh, their tape yet, but um, the two guys that did want to get back to, and um, uh, the guy that's my RB seven here is Kennedy Brooks. Um, it, if and this is this is going to surprise a lot of people here, but pure running back, pure rushing talent, Kennedy Brooks is right there alongside anybody in this class. He's not overly fast. Um, he doesn't have a ton of explosion. Um, but you know where you know what he is 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 he's he's right above average on both. Where he where he really sets himself apart though is with his footwork. Um, he knows how to manipulate a defensive line. He knows how to, especially if a, if a, if you see like a, a two gapping player. Oh come on, you may have, it's already been beat before the guy has done a single thing because Kennedy Brooks is going to have him in this gap and, and he's already gone in the gap, the other gap he was responsible for. You do not two gap Kennedy Brooks. It's, it, it's ridiculously stupid. Right. And you saw it so much in the big 12, like, what are you doing, man? Um, so he loves taking it outside, but at the same time, just like we see with all the other Oklahoma running backs, same with Trey Sermon, who I'm not going to get into, 
I'm just going to leave it right there. <laughs> same with Trey Sermon. The same with uh, 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 Joe Mixon. Go back all the way to Joe Mixon. The Oklahoma is notorious for their gap rushing scheme. Um, they're pulling guards. They're pulling tackles. The front side pulls. They're um, um, uh, man blocking. So man blocking, basically, when you see the handoff uh, to one side of the quarterback, you're going to if, – if the play is going to go uh, play side of the handoff. So, so if, say, the quarterback turns to his left and then the running back carries it to his right, that and 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 you see the offensive line step to that side. That's zone blocking. If you see if you see pulling pulling guard pulling tackle who's pulling around other people, that's always gap. And then if you see the same type of situation where the quarterback turns to his left, hands to the running back, and instead of running to the right, uh, or excuse yeah, when he's running to the right, instead of the offensive line stepping to that side. They'll step to the opposite side. That's what's called man blocking. And what it does is it they're they're trying to force the defense. So they're trying to force the defense into thinking that they're going to be zone blocking. So they put so that so they they try to get the defenders pushed towards the wrong side, and that leaves Kennedy Brooks to attack in space. And that's where he is just so lethal. Look, he is a forty or fifty yard run just waiting to happen. And, and there's a great quote from Lincoln Riley, the, this former head coach there at, um, at, at Oklahoma. And, and it's, it's, it just sums him up perfectly. He says, you know, when, when he came in, he came in freshman year, just, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure he was the freshman of the year that year. Um, um, I, I can't remember off the top of my head, but he came in freshman year was just like the same player that he is right now. I mean, he has just been this good for this long. Um, he was like, he's not a guy that you're going to be like, whoa, look how fast or look how powerful or this or that. And he can't even catch the ball, really. Dude's got baby hands. You throw it to him and he's going to fight the ball. You know what I mean? Trying to trying to get his little kitty paws on it. But when he's he keeps it secure, um, so that, you know, just you can take that home. But uh, the thing that he does is he just he understands football. He he's a he's a student of the game. And and at running back, that's very rare because usually you have guys at running back that are just they've always been the top athlete on their team all the way through. And, and they're just like, give him the ball, give him the ball as many touches as possible. Um, and, but Kennedy Brooks is a he's a he's a he's a tactician. He knows exactly where players are going to be based off of the off of the defensive formation. Um, he, he he's a guy that, that, that reads coverages and, and knows where the safeties are at all times. I mean, this guy is, is, is just got such a high football IQ. You, you compound that, you push that into a package with the type of footwork that he brings. It's, it's really scary. And you know what? He's going to, he's probably not going to uh, draw a lot of uh, draft attention. Probably won't even get drafted till maybe the late fourth. Um, and then nobody's going to draft him in fantasy, but I'm telling you, there will be a day very soon where Kennedy Brooks is leading a backfield and he, it doesn't matter how many passes he catches, he's going to be a factor and he's going to be useful. And then another guy, I really like Pierre strong. 
on uh, he's next level athleticism. He's 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 that across the board. I was blown away because I mean I don't I don't get to watch North Dakota State. I don't know if you do, Paul. Uh, <laughs> do you watch FCS? I mean, if I get a chance to, I do. But obviously, you know, with with, with the family, with the kids, that's yeah. not at the top of my viewing. Yeah, uh, like <laughs> if there's a championship game on, sure, I'll watch it. Um, but it's rare. Okay, I will say after uh, the twenty slash. 21 spring thing. I got to watch some football when normally it wouldn't be on, you know, <laughs> excuse me. But uh, yeah, I don't set out to watch FCS. Now that's not to say there's not some ex- ex- exceptional athletes in the FCS. Definitely are. I think that uh, it's an untapped resource. Uh, I think the NFL is onto that, obviously. Uh, but this guy, man, I love Pierre strong, a little bit older, like Brian Robinson. Um, and, and, and so that, that knocks him down. If he was 20 coming into this draft, I would have him as my RB three. That's how good he is. Um, he, okay. He's, he's got, he's got, uh, uh, he didn't, uh, he's like, he's like Kenneth Walker. They didn't have a lot of receiving, uh, they didn't throw to the running backs very much, but at the same time he catches with his body again, which like I said, it's just so common. Um, because you know, these guys, they're, they're not like, throw me the ball. They're like, just give it to me, you know? Um, but, uh, you know, when you get to the NFL, you, you, you realize, wow, everyone out here is, just, you know, just as athletic as I am. So I actually, will you throw me a few? So I don't have to take so much damage, you know? And, um, uh, you know, and, and, but, but the good thing is never been hurt, even though, you know, he's, he's not, he's not a massive kid. Um, he's got a, um, 41st percentile BMI. I mean, I don't get crazy with BMIs, hmm. but it does, it does kind of tell you what, what type of weight distribution they have. Um, whereas like a guy like Brian Robinson, like I said, has, has very um uh, uh uh thin legs so his 89th percentile height 71st weight 47th bmi okay that just kind of explains there's 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 probably um a, a part of his body that's a lot bigger and then you know tapers off uh one way or the other whether he's got thick legs and he's smaller in the upper body but yeah that that type of thing really really stands out um not to say it's going to end his career or anything i'm just saying um but then but here with with pierre strong's a little bit taller 65th 48th percentile weight and 41st percentile bmi so he's 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 basically built okay a little but you know he's he's a little thinner so i don't think he's going to be like a guy that's going to have like an 80 percent carry share or anything like that but i think i think he's got um he's got he's got some special special talents um it, it just let me let me just say this as a high school junior he tested with a 46640 time by his senior season he was at 448 at the nfl combine he was at 437 this kid is dedicated to football um he is seriously putting in some work uh, this is just a phenomenal improvement in the type of player that he's become. He didn't get a lot of attention, even though he led McClellan in his high school uh, to the to the state championship game during his junior season. He he suffered a, a hairline fracture of his collarbone um, and and missed the playoffs. He didn't he didn't get any FBS offers. And uh, and part of that was because of his testing when he was at the Nike opening. He he didn't test out that well. And so, I mean, he he didn't know what he was going to do because he didn't want to go play in North Dakota, uh, you know, where it was so cold. You know, this this kid grew up in Arkansas. You know, it's hot there like year round almost. 
Um, so it's nothing like he wanted to do. But then, you know, the the recruiting coordinator there just wouldn't leave it alone and eventually won him over. He went there, and, man, he's been so good, led uh, South uh, – excuse me um, – uh, yeah, South Dakota State, not not South, not North Dakota. South Dakota State led them to the championship game in 2020. I actually watched that game, one of the few that I watched. Um, and uh, yeah, he's just been he's been such a good player. I'm excited about what he does. Uh, you know, uh, he's a he's an outside zone specialist, which we see that a lot because it's uh, it's easier it's easier to 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 find offensive linemen who can block on outside zone than it is to to stand up to these massive defended uh, massive. Uh, defensive linemen uh, in, on inside zone and, and, you know, straight up and stuff like that. So you, you see a lot of outside zone blocking schemes in, in college, but we see them in the NFL as well because you know, uh, the blocking in the NFL is not like out of this world, crazy good, you know? So um, yeah, that, that, that is uh, a factor. I think he's going to find, find it pretty easy to get into a, uh, a program where he fits really well or a franchise. Yeah, absolutely. Pierre Strong is one of those guys that is riding the pre-draft process momentum for sure. And I think he's a name that people may be surprised that he goes higher than a lot of more well-known guys, guys that aren't you know from smaller schools like that, more of the big established guys. I think he's going to surprise people at where he comes off the board. Great takes on him. The Kennedy Brooks, while I don't have him as high as you, I think you make a lot of really valid points. And the truth of the matter is when this college football season started – I was higher. I, I was higher in from a draft perspective on what I thought Eric Gray was going to become, and he just basically pushed him off to the side. And every week, I thought maybe this was the week Gray was going to take more of the reps away from him. And there's a reason he did it. And and you and you laid out a lot of the things that he does so well that don't show up on like you know athletic score, but all the things that make him a really smart, intelligent football player. And so much of that goes into the running back position, as we all know. Wes, this was absolutely amazing. You mentioned it before, and, and I kind of want to say it like I brought Wes on not for groupthink, right? It, 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 I could have brought on a billion different people who would have came on here and it would have been the same top fives or top tens that you see on ESPN or NFL Network or, you know, put out there on Twitter. I know Wes does the work. I know he does the evaluation. I know he has his own opinions and own takes that I wanted him to come on and share. And I think we just heard that throughout this episode about Wes's process, what goes into it, how deep he digs in terms of their high school stuff and their backgrounds and so much more that we know goes into evaluating these prospects. And and he just shared all of that knowledge with us on so many of these guys. So Wes, thank you so much uh, for coming on the show. Please let my audience know where they can find you on Twitter. We already talked about fantasy points a little bit, guys. All get over there. Check out that. I would highly recommend purchasing the subscription. But, Wes, let, let the audience know where they can find you on Twitter and anything else you want to share. Yeah, Wes Huber NFL on Twitter. Uh, give me a follow if you have any questions. I, I always take time to, to answer. And uh, the only thing I want to add is uh, – one guy, if you if you want a deep sleeper that nobody is going to draft, that you could probably take with the the very last pick in pretty much every format, you want Bryant Kobach out of Toledo. That's all I'm going to say. Okay, he's a guy that I am not that familiar with. I know what I'm doing part of the afternoon today. I'm throwing on some tape of this kid and, and checking, taking Wes's word and, and seeing what this kid offers. So there it is, guys. On behalf of Wes, on behalf of our sound tech engineer David Nakano. And myself, thank you for joining us, and we look forward next time taking you from Saturday to Sunday.